Hey, everybody. I know this is not the ideal way to deliver a message when you're in person or maybe you're watching online for our Sunday morning worship services at Osage Hills, but I just want to tell you I'm thankful for you. I was uh, around an exposure this week, and so for your precaution and ours, I am actually delivering this on video for you, but I really wanted to complete the thought we've been talking about the last few weeks with generosity before we do anything else. And so, this is what we're going to do today. I'm thankful for Roger for his testimony just of giving and the impact it has had on his life. I'm thankful for you trusting me to talk about giving and different things going on in our lives and generosity and how God calls us to this. You know, this afternoon our church gets to practice generosity by giving away 50 meals to those in need, specifically at Wayman Tisdale Elementary School and people there. I'm thankful for you in helping with that. And really, as we approach this Thanksgiving week, generosity is on our hearts and our minds. And that's what we get to do. I want to take us back to a place where we looked last week to begin with. This Matthew chapter 6, if you turn there now, it's Matthew 6, 19. It's this place where Jesus is talking to followers, people who are following him all over the place. It's the Sermon on the Mount, something that you may have heard and you may not have heard. This is a sermon Jesus would have preached over and over and over, like a traveling preacher. People would have gathered to hear him, and they wrote down his words and knew what he said. And this is what he says about treasures and money. Matthew 6, verse 19. Here's what it says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus' words, they were spoken almost 2,000 years ago to people who were following and listening to him, the poorest of the poor, who were following in famine times and, and all of this, and they're wondering, what does Jesus mean by this? And it's very simple. We, we've talked about this. Jesus simply means either your treasure is going to be here on earth with the stuff that you have and the things that are here, and they're going to be the most important thing to you, or the kingdom of God is the most important thing to you. And he's telling his followers, us, make sure the kingdom of God is the most important thing in your life. You can't serve both God and money. You have to pick one. So follow God. The question then that we have to ask ourselves about our master is this. Is my master God or is my master money? Which master do I serve? You know, last week we talked about the, the book of Malachi, this principle that ran throughout the prophecy where God continually called his people back to him. These objections that they would have, hey, is there enough love? Hey, there's not enough for, for God and for taxes. Um, do I really have to bring in the whole tenth, the tithe? And God continually said to his people, trust me, believe in me, follow me. 
And what we learned in that and a thought we're going to carry on today is this. Generosity helps us grow in intimacy with God. The people in Malachi were called to generosity. They were called to this principle because this is what God asked of them. But why does generosity help us grow in intimacy with God? Well, it's based in trust. We learned this last week. When trust is broken, when we rob people of something, or when we rob God of what is His, the money that He's given us that we're to give back to Him, then trust is broken. When we don't trust God to be who He says He is, to do what He says He will do, then trust is broken. When we put Him first, we still have material resources, but He's above all. Last week, we saw this in Malachi. Today, we want to see a New Testament principle. If the Old Testament principle and what God taught his people throughout was tithing, what does the New Testament say about this? And is it really any different? So if you would, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. I'm going to give you just a moment to turn there. If you're sitting in one of the chairs in your Bible, then the, the page is 968 in one of those chair Bibles. If you're at home or watching online, grab your YouVersion Bible app and, and you can open right there or your Bible in front of you, open to events in Osage Hills Christian Church. All right, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. I hope you're there. Let's see exactly what God's word has for us today as we learn about generosity. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every work, as it is written. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you, pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Can we just pause right there? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Would you just take a moment and thank God for some of the gifts that he's given you in your life? The grace he's poured out to you, the salvation that you have in him, the generosity that he has seen fit to send his son for you and for me, for us, that we might live for him. Take a moment and thank him. Thank him for the generosity in your life. Now I want you to ask this question. How do I live with that state of mind generous in the world today? How do I honor God? 
Well, let me just give you a couple of principles, a couple of things that I think will help us learn to follow God, things that we see in 2 Corinthians. The first thing we see is this. Generosity is a personal decision. How generous you are is your decision. Now, you made the decision to pursue and to trust your husband or wife if you're married. You made the decision to trust your closest friends. You made the decision to brush your teeth today. At least I really hope you did. And if you're sitting next to somebody, please apologize to them now for not brushing your teeth. In the same way, giving, generosity, is a gift. It's a decision that we make to follow God. That's what Paul says, each one must decide, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We make the decision to be generous. You make the decision to give as you've given. It's also a biblical expectation for followers of Christ. Do you catch that? Like Paul throughout here, as he's talking to this church in Corinth, isn't saying, hey, I hope that you give. I hope you make this decision. Paul's going, look, when you give, decide in your heart what you've chosen to give. You don't stumble into generosity. You walk faithfully in it step by step. You say, I'm going to give today, and I'm going to give the next time, and I'm going to continue to live generously because God has called me to live generously. Whether it's the homeless man on the street today, whether it's a gift to your children at Christmas, whether it's a gift to the church, what you put in the offering plate, you are the one who chooses to be generous. For Paul, the question isn't if a Christian is generous, it's how much. And how? It's an attitude. Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. Remember singing that song as a kid. God loves a cheerful giver. Give it all you've got. I mean, it's this overflowing joy that we have in giving back to God what is already his. And to drive this point home, Paul uses the illustration of a farmer of all things. Now, we don't have a lot of farms in Tulsa, but I know a lot of people around us have farms. My dad grew up on a farm. I remember visiting my grandparents on the farm. Our small farming community that I grew up in pointed some of these things out to me. I mean, Paul's going, look, here's the point. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. That's verse 6. If you sow a little bit of seed, then you're going to get a little bit of harvest, and you're going to get even less because weeds are going to choke it out, some of the seed won't grow, all those kind of things. But if you sow bountifully, if you throw a lot of seed out there, then you're going to get a lot of harvest back because the more you sow, the more you reap, the more you harvest. It's a pretty simple concept. If you're a farmer, you put out a lot of seed, you get a big crop. If you're a Christian, you sow the gospel a lot and get a big crop. But Paul is writing to Jews in Corinth and some Christians, Gentiles in Corinth, and he's giving them this idea, this reminder of, of something they would have read many, many times. It's something you may have read this week or, or may read today. Proverbs 22, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. I mean, this is what is coming to people's minds when Paul's saying, hey, sow bountifully. Like, give freely. 
If you have a bountiful eye, you'll be blessed. If you give freely, you'll be blessed for you're sharing your bread with the poor. The farmer decides how much seed he's going to sow before he does it. The follower of Christ determines how much he's going to give before he or she gives. Paul's expectation is that each person will give to the cause of winning more to Christ and give to the poor. It isn't a question of do I give, but how do I know what to give? And making sure my attitude is one of joy. As we saw last week, the Jewish principle is to tithe. Right? Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. You can look that up in Genesis. Malachi, God expects his people to give a tithe. And generally, the principle is, hey, bring me the best. Bring me the first of what you have. I don't think that principle ever changes. Bring me the first of what you have. Decide to give to me first. Paul probably grew up in a system of, hey, you tithe. And it, and he never changes that idea, but he never affirms it either. And so we can assume that it's a good place to start. But decide in your heart what to give. Instead of saying, this is how much, Paul says this. When he talks about an offering being brought into the church, this one has been prepared and predetermined. The expectation is that each would give, each person or family in the Corinthian church would give. Not forced or focused or, or determined by others, right? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, oh, you're making me give this much. Or under compulsion, like, oh man, these people are going to kick me out if I don't do this. But cheerfully, giving as God has asked, determined beforehand. Now, years ago, our family was in a ministry, my very first youth ministry on my own. And we had an elder in our small town in Indiana. And he was telling me about how he gives. And it's really interesting. Because every Saturday night, you know, a lot of us don't write checks anymore. But every Saturday night, he would sit down to write his check, the amount that he would give. And, and what he would do was he would pray over that gift. He would thank God for the opportunity to give. Thank God for the grace that had been provided to him that he could then show grace to others. The generosity, the money that God had provided for him, that he could then give that to others. And they had a baseline where he would give. I think it was a tithe. I'm not quite sure. It doesn't really matter because what he would do was he would pray and he would say, God, do I need to give more this week? God, what have you provided for me that I can give to others asking for wisdom to give the right amount? And then do you know what he would do? He would write his check. He would seek the Lord and then he would give. What would happen in your life if that's the approach you took? Hey, God, I know you've blessed me. I know that you've given generously to me. We have more than enough to fill our needs. But you've also asked me to give first, even if I can't. And i got to trust you in that. So how much do you want me to give, Lord? Maybe it's Saturday night before you write out a check on Sunday morning, or as I do, get online at osagehills.com and give there. Maybe you do a monthly budget at the beginning of the month, and you're like, God, how much do I need to give this month? What would happen if you prayed over it, predetermined the amount, and said, okay, God, that's what I'm going to give, and I trust you? You know, I personally subscribe to the idea that a tithe is a great place to start, but I know not everybody does. I also believe that if you want to get to that point, there are times when it takes time to budget to get there. 
and and you've got to kind of work some things around to go, okay, God, let me trust you. And you know, the promise in Malachi, Roger talked about it, is this idea that he will always bless. He will bless what you give. You know, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. The expectation is always that we give as Christians, that we're always generous. I mean, Jesus also said that he didn't come to to abolish, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And we don't really see him changing standards of giving throughout. But the church has understood this typically to be a tithe. At the same time, regardless of where you are giving a tithe or a different amount, it should be done cheerfully. That's the attitude that the Christian has toward giving. That personal decision says, I'm going to give, I'm going to give joyfully. Because God has given to me joy comes from you as you give. As I give, joy flows. I see a smile come to my face. I can feel it. The promise here is that God's grace abounds in you when you give. And you'll have sufficiency or contentment about every good work, every good thing you do. You won't second guess, God, did I give enough? Did I not give enough? When you predetermined, you prayed over it and said, here it is. God provides seed for the sower, bread for food, distributed freely, and he will enrich you in every way. He will increase the harvest of righteousness. He will give you more to be generous with. I think that's such an incredible biblical principle. It's not, hey, let me give you more so you can be totally rich. It's, hey, let me give you more to be generous with. Let me give you more to give away. As you understand generosity, you give more away. But what's also fascinating here is that your generosity leads to thanksgivings to God. Verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgivings to God. Think about this just for a moment. Your generosity leads others to thank God. When you are generous with what God has given you, He gives you more to be generous with. When you're generous with what God has given you, others are led to give Him thanks. What you decide to give helps others find Jesus. Remember, generosity is a personal decision, but it impacts the body. So what will you decide to give? How generous will you determine to be? Pray, then give, and give joyfully. I said I had two ideas for us. The, the first, that generosity is personal. The second is this. Generosity and submission go hand in hand. Now, I know what you're thinking. Those are my two favorite things, giving all my money away and submitting to God. That's my two favorite things in the whole wide world. (laughs) Anybody want to raise your hand on that? Man, we don't like to give everything away. Sometimes we do. That's God's given to us generously, so we give it away freely and generously. But do we really like to submit? You know, Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command. And my commands are not burdensome. And if the goal of our faith is to follow God and to help others seek Him as well, then we need to pay attention to those commands. We need to pay attention to this truth. that submission and generosity go hand in hand. By their approval of this service... They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. 
this service, this giving, these supplies the needs of the saints. It overflows with thanksgiving and approval. It leads others to God. You know, this year at Osage Chills, we've been able to be very generous. Food that was given to us to give away, or we got to be a part of giving that away. We've given away a lot of money in the community, benefited a lot of people, even today with turkeys. We've been able to give to our missionaries to be generous with what we have. I don't ever want that to stop. I want us to be a generous church because of how God has been generous with us to continue to give. Because you know what happens? The promise here is that others glorify God because of the generosity. Because we choose to submit over our own desires. We choose to honor Him over our own desires. Submission comes out of a confession of the gospel of Christ. The moment when you said that this is true, that this gospel is true, you chose to submit to His way. The moment you said, I believe... I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he is the son of the living God. He is my savior. And he said, I submit. You submit in baptism. You submit in your confession. You submit to following him and his ways. Confession leads us to submit to God's will and his way. And that's what others see when we're generous. Is that we've confessed. We do what his commands ask us to do. We give to Caesar. We give to God. We bring to him what we have determined to give joyfully, thankfully. In our submission, God provides us with grace and sufficiency to increase our generosity. And when we are generous, submitting to the will of the Father, he honors the gift that is given, provides the opportunity to give more. When you're generous, others notice. They glorify God for what you have given for them and for others. I know That I have praised the Father multiple times over and over for the generosity of others that has been poured out in my own life. Thanking the Father for what He has done. Asking Him to bless those who have blessed me, to give to those who have blessed me. Praying to God the Father on their behalf that they would continue to be strengthened in the faith. This is the promise given to us when we submit to God in generosity. To those who received the gifts, and in Paul's case, the poor that it would be given to, they praise the Father and ask His grace to continually be poured out because of what God has done. All because you choose to submit to God and His commands. Who is thanking God for you? It can be hard to submit to the will of God at times, but that's what we're called to do. That's following Him. When you confess Him as Savior, you choose to submit to Him. If you trust him with your salvation, you can trust him with your finances. After all, only one of those two things is storing up treasure in heaven. Only one leads to intimacy with God. And generosity helps us grow in intimacy with God. So, what can you do? Let me give you some practical things. One, choose to be generous. Decide to be generous with your finances. Determine to give. First to the local church. This seems to be what Paul is asking the people in Corinth to do. Those gifts then are given to others in the community around and help the ministry of the church to give. That's what we're asking. That's what God asks us to do. If you don't know where to begin, begin somewhere. I subscribe to 10%, but maybe for you, you've got to start at 5%, 7%. Send them out. 
Give the first of what God has given you. Don't don't plan your budget around everything and then put the tithe last or put the giving last, the gift, your generosity. Put your generosity first and then work everything else out. Figure it out from there. Honor the Father first. Choose to be generous with your resources. You know, in Acts, it tells us the early church was known for making sure that all believers had everything that they would need. How cool is that? They had all that they would need. Be generous with the resources that you have been given. Help others out. Maybe you can fix a leaky sink. Maybe you can fix a van. Maybe you can clean. Be generous with what God has given to you. Use your gifts for his purpose. Choose to be generous with your life. You know, if you don't know Jesus, get to know him. Get to know what it is to accept him and live for him and generously give him your life. Follow him. Seek after him. There is no one else who has done more for you than he has or will ever do. And all he asks is return is for you to follow. And it's worth it. Seek him. Follow him. He's prepared for you more than you could ever imagine. Be generous with your life toward him. And then we get to be generous with the gospel. Choose to be generous with the gospel. The farming principle. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. What does it say about you? Of those that we've led to Christ. So bountifully the word of God, so bountifully the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others can find him. Spread it out. Tell everybody that you know about him. You might need to have a conversation with somebody this week to sow the seed of the gospel so that someone somewhere may come to know Jesus. Generously sow the gospel message. Let others know who he is and follow him. The answer to how much we sow the gospel may tell us the answer to which master we serve. My prayer for us this week is this, that we would learn to live generously as our Savior has been generous to us. My prayer is that each of us would give as God has called us to give, that we would live as He has called us to live that we would learn to grow in intimacy with Him. At the end of the day, we may be overwhelmed with the glory of our God and proclaim, as Paul did, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. I'm so thankful for you. I'm going to ask you to pray with me in a moment. And I want you to know this. If you don't know Jesus, I believe that following him is the best decision you could make in your life. And I really want you to know and follow him. And if you do know him, I want you to share his word with as many as you can find. Because we get to be his hands and feet. Generously sow what he has given. Lean into the intimacy he has for you. And follow him. Father, I pray. I pray that we would be a people who see the needs of others and dive into where you are asking us to go.
I pray that we would be a people who are generous because you called us to be generous. Not because there's a message that says do it, but because your word says be generous. And that we would give with all that we can for others to come to know you. God, that your kingdom would be advanced because of Osage Hills Christian Church, that people would come to know you and follow you and honor you because of the ministry that we get to have. Help us to stand for your kingdom always, God, and to love you first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord Make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.